Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one Ritzel at a time. It is Monday, and that means we start on fire. And that means we got the one and only Greg Dickerson. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing very well, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, you have an amazing playlist that goes back years that people should check out. Uh, today, we got three exciting topics. We're going to talk about renter nation, billionaires, and maybe an inflation surprise. But let's start off with this concept of renter nation. It's something I think we have touched on once or twice before, but uh, given where rates are, given where affordability is, given that we consistently hear about Wall Street still buying single family homes in large numbers, I thought you and I should talk about it again. So where do you come down on this renter nation idea? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's becoming more and more popular with Wall Street investors. You know, it all started as a product of the 2009 collapse when you know, all of the toxic assets landed on the, you know, books of the banks and, mm -hmm. you know, the Wall Street investment firms came in, bought up those toxic assets, couldn't sell them. So they just said, well, we'll keep them and rent them, yeah. created a business model. And it was mostly with existing homes. And then, you know, um, the launch of the iBuyers and all that. And now the build to rent movement where, you know, large, um, you know, public home builders and private home builders are building communities of homes exclusively for rent and building mm -hmm. portfolios and then flipping those, you know, to Wall Street. So yeah. it's becoming more and more popular. It's, uh, you know, I guess you could equate it to a bond play yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, real estate being a store of wealth, the ultimate store of, of wealth and value, you know, as far as the world goes back in history, mm -hmm. you know, that's where it all started. And, you know, there's not a lot of great places to park your capital right now. So, exactly. uh, you know, there's still a lot of capital out there looking for, uh, places to go and, and, you know, protection. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's um, getting worse, not better. I think scared capital seeks safety. And uh, you know, I saw many articles last year and it's probably still true uh, that the best risk adjusted return, this was probably middle of 2021 was the single family home. They, they were getting like six, six and a half percent risk adjusted return which again, in Wall Street speak, doesn't sound great. But when the cost of capital is 1%, it's kind of a home run. Yeah, it's all levered up. And, you know, that's that's what what they do and what they're doing. And then they have the long-term outlook. So they're looking at, you know, a 30-year outlook on some of these plays as yeah. well. You know, so they're getting cash flow and they're getting the appreciation and they're getting, you know, pay down a principal. So it's kind of like the perfect storm for, for those investors. So- mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it's becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, it is becoming for a lot of people that want to buy a house, it's becoming an issue in some areas because yeah. the investors are buying more and more houses in the Sunbelt areas, especially. That's where the competition is for these assets mostly. For sure. Uh, so it's it's creating, you know, it's creating headlines and it's creating, you know, headwinds for that buyer out there looking for houses. Um, you know, and it's also putting pressure and keeping pressure on prices. Yeah. The other thing I thought you brought up that was excellent is um, they definitely pivoted, right? They, they were buying cheap in the last crash, kind of, you know, almost sight unseen, right? They were getting, they were getting books and they were buying them all. And they knew that some of them would be dogs, but you know, the average would be great. And they definitely pivoted about two years ago, at least in my market, right? They want newer stuff. And in some markets, all they want is new stuff. Uh, they basically found out that, you know, managing old homes is expensive, right? You got capital improvements and roofs and, you know, mechanicals and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, they are definitely working with um, builders now. And 
I actually think given affordability kind of for owner ox, it is very likely that if building slows down, which you and I have talked about a bunch and, and I'm already, just so you know, I'm already seeing builders offer um, credits on, uh, you know, buy down on points. Uh, they're already starting to offer these other incentives. Like, and again, 100%, you called it, you nailed it. It's already happening. But I suspect what they're going to do is they're going to look to Wall Street and go, hey, you want to buy them all? Uh, because again, I read a couple of articles where they're actually more profitable selling to Wall Street, right? They can, they can build them a different quality, rental quality versus homeowners. They deal with one buyer, not a hundred. Uh, so I think as owner ox pull away, builders may focus on Wall Street. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. They, you know, it's, I guess, fulfilling an order. But yeah, if you've got a fund out there that says, hey, we need a thousand new homes and you're a builder, Why not? you're not building for somebody. They just say, hey, we want three bedrooms, two baths with these types of finishes. Yep. So you're just going out there basically building for yourself. There's nobody watching, nobody checking, nobody yeah. calling you on the phone. It's a very easy business model and, you know, you know what they're going to pay. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that could become, you know, more and more popular as we go along. And it's already starting to build momentum. I think I sent you an article the other you day did? about, you know, was, what was it a billion dollar uh, purchase uh, portfolio that uh, I can't remember who purchased it. Goldman Sachs, I think, or somebody. Or Goldman yeah. Sachs. Yeah. Yeah. One of so, those Wall Street um, players. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. But as far as the housing market goes, yeah, I mean, we're seeing the tide change. We're seeing, you know, home builders, traffic's down. Uh, they're not getting the multiple offers. You know, they're getting, the inventory starting to build and stack up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can go to Google Trends and you can see searches for new homes is way down. Yeah. Uh, mortgage uh, demand is way down. Mortgage companies are laying off, you know, by the thousands across the country. So the tide is changing and turning a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is what the Fed wanted. And this is obviously what we need because the housing market is way overheated. It's great for people that have, you know, had the benefit of the appreciation, but uh, it did get way overheated and inventory levels still, you know, they're rising in some areas, but there's still a lot of markets, you know, like mine, small markets that, you know, are going to take a little while to catch up. But yeah, uh, we're starting to see price reductions. We're starting to see days on market tick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting to see more houses hit the market because the public's always behind, right? The yep. retail, you know, is always behind. So you'll start to see people now say, hey, let's put our house on the market. And it's a little bit too late now that we're kind of rolling over the cliff there. But yeah, uh, interesting Almost, times. But yeah, yeah. as a builder, dead. that's a, that's the ideal situation is building for an investor that really doesn't care. They just say, hey, we want these things. Go mm-hmm. build it. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll take as many as you can, right? It's kind of an endless supply. So the other thing I want to talk about when we talk about build for rent, Wall Street, uh, there's a belief out there that at some point they're just going to liquidate, right? What I see it all the time. What's going to happen when Wall Street liquidates everything? And again, my opinion is, folks, you don't understand the model. These things were bought. They were put into a fund or some kind of vehicle. It's got a 30-year run. They Wall Street's already got their money out, right? They come in with debt, then they put it in this big Uber thing, and then they finance it via investors. They're just going to run this thing till it's over. They're there. I don't see a mass liquidation of Wall Street, and certainly not if prices fall. That's the thing I hear. Prices are going to come down. It's going to force Wall Street to sell. I'm like, guys, that's not how cash flow works. That's that's. I, I don't get it. So do you do you see it that way, or maybe I'm missing something? Yeah, I mean, they're they're not stupid, right? So they're not going to put everything on the market at the same time. You know, they'll yeah. time it just like anything else. They'll look at demand. And, you know, right now it's a long-term play. You know, the biggest problem that investors like that have, those are pension funds, you know, sovereign wealth funds, life insurance companies that have this money. They need return. They have to generate yield. Yes. And the hardest thing for these fund managers to do is roll that capital over. 
Right. So the best thing for them is a long-term investment like a house. Yes. You know, hey, this is a 30-year outlook. We'll park the money. We've got income. We can lever it up. You know, I mean, so they have more incentive to just keep, you know, leveraging the assets and, you know, mm -hmm. and those investors, they want to roll that capital back in. So they don't want the money back. You know, exactly. They just they don't, the yeah. I, I hope people hear that, right? Li liquidating, selling portions of a portfolio is is a problem for Wall Street because that capital comes back and they got to deploy it again. They'd much rather leave that in the parked asset because again, they're not looking for 12, 18, 20%. They're looking for six, six and a quarter, six and a half. And, you know, if appreciation happens over the years, that's great. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, to be clear, we're talking about, you know, the United States market, you know, correct. this isn't necessarily a thing everywhere. This mm -hmm. is a, you know, becoming more and more popular in the United States. And, there's still a very small player in, you know, rental property ownership. The mm -hmm. private investor like you, mm -hmm. um, you know, like me, you know, own the bulk of the rental houses in this country. And until you start getting into multifamily properties, and those are owned more by, you know, more sophisticated companies and outfits, but more and more people at the retail level are, you know, have gotten into multifamily, gotten into storage, uh, industrial. So, uh, you know, investment property in the United States is, is, you know, primarily owned and controlled largely by just individual investors that have a portfolio. And yeah. the question is, you know, how much, you know, how long will that continue? How much push pressure will that put on, you know, housing inventory and stock and things like that? And, you know, private investors are more likely to sell and more apt to have to sell at some point. And, you know, pretty much, you know, to be clear, everybody liquidates at some point, at you know, sooner point, or later yeah. we all liquidate. So, yeah. Will these funds ever divest? You know, that's probably in their business model at some point. I know a lot of these funds that bought the assets. When I say toxic assets, I'm talking about mortgages that were went bad, mm -hmm. that were on the books of these banks. They unloaded them in packages to these investment funds. So the investment funds bought the bad mortgages. They, you know, cleaned them up and put tenants in there and then resold those as a package, you know, yeah. to investors of performing occupied houses. And some of them did that you know, for that reason to exit. So the question oh, is, yeah. who's the exit? Yeah. Do they put them on the market, sell them retail, or do they sell them to another fund? And it's more likely that the portfolios just get bigger and it moves to another fund. And that's exactly where I would go with this. The chances that Wall Street calls up your local real estate agent, puts a bunch of elbows in the ground to, to list and sell is very, very unlikely. It's too slow. They, when, when Wall Street moves, they want to move faster. Right. They have another asset that they want to deploy the capital to. So what I see happening is they get to some point in their 30 year journey. It's year 12. Right. They've gotten all the depreciation or whatever they want. They're going to sell it to another fund uh, all, all as a package. And maybe and the most you know, recent example of that was Zillow. So exactly. Zillow, when, they, when they discontinued their, you know, their buying program, Z buyer program, they had all mm -hmm. these houses and they weren't making money. And they sold those off to you know, Wall Street investors in packages. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they certainly sold a couple one-offs and, and people will, will talk about that. But yeah, they sold- Yeah, yeah, there was somebody that talked about they sold their house to to Zillow for, I don't know, whatever it was and bought it back for 30% less. Yeah, good for them. Because I think yeah. Zillow went back to some of the original owners maybe. He said, you want it back? I don't know. It's it, uh, Some of that stuff, I don't know if it's fake news or not. It certainly made a grabbing uh, headline, yeah. But again, Zillow sold uh, 2,000 to one fund. Just, uh, you know, yeah. they basically picked houses in what states they wanted and bought 2,000 just like that. So yeah. Uh, again, I think the whole idea of renter nation kind of picks up. The other thing I want to say about Wall Street is the size, right? E even with all the growth and the buying of new homes, they're still less than 1% of the market, right? W less than 1%.
Uh, and oh, by the way, they are filling a need. Now, I know it's very painful for home buyers, especially in the Sun Belt, where they are very dominant. Um, but you know what? Pe- people need rentals too. Not everybody can buy a home. So, you know, re- renting a home is a is of value for lots of people. So, um, yeah, it's just sensitive right now because there's so little inventory. And again, this is a very unique time. It's I mean, an inventory we're, problem. you know, you go back three years and inventory levels were fairly normal. I mean, they were a little bit under pressure here and there, but. Uh, you know, average days on market used to be six months. I mean, before yeah. all this craziness started and things like that. And, you know, we're, the curve is rolling over and, you know, there's a lot of new construction. There's a lot of units in the pipeline that are yeah. coming to the market in the next year or so. I mean, I think, you know, uh, construction starts in, in houses in production, I think it's the highest levels we've seen in probably 10 years. Yeah. Just about that inventory side. Again, I've been looking at my market for 20 years. I actually went back and dug up some 2018 numbers. Uh, so again, my market 190 days ago, 463, let's say 500. Uh, as of last Thursday, we had roughly a thousand. So again, we are up 100% in about 90 days. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Bigger markets. That's what we're starting to see. 2018 though, 2813. It was a, almost a balanced market. So again, we're up hundred percent, but we're still 60% below normal. So we are definitely working our way back. Some of these increases are crazy triple digits. Uh, but there's still a lot more room to go to get back to kind of, I consider 2018 kind of a normal market. And uh, we still have a long way to go. It, it'll double again. And it, it almost might triple. Uh, so yeah, it depends on where rates go. Yeah, you know, rates, r- rates are doing doing their job, because I mean, it's the affordability index. Absolutely. About it, you know? Affordability. Absolutely. It is demand destruction. And also, let's not forget supply destruction. Um, there's a lot of, again, I've done, I've done math with a dozen people, uh, in the, just the last week. Cause I had, I had a buddy on Wednesday who, who looked at selling his home, buying the one up, you know, better school district, two miles away, extra bedroom, his, his payment tripled, right. Cause he got a 2.5 and he had to go to like 6.2. His payment tripled. Yeah. Not, not a lot of people are going to do that. So crazy times. So again, uh, Greg, you put out a lot of amazing stuff. You have a great playlist on my channel. Where can people find you? Yeah, gregdickerson.com. All my info's there. Go check it out. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you.